0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We're headed to the home stretch of football season and basketball is in full swing. And BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the action this year. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code Believe fifty, B L E A V fifty, to receive your bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Oh yeah, everybody! It's time for the Memes of the Weekend podcast here on the Take It Easy podcast. It is NFL Week 16, and there is so much Memes of the Weekend that this is just an NFL Week 16 version, even though we had like weird stuff happen on Christmas Day. Actually, we will give one shout here, a good jolly shout here on Memes of the Weekend, which was Anthony Davis's outfit. Uh, it looked like he was dressed like a brick. Wanted to make the joke that that was in honor of Russell Westbrook. He dressed like a brick. It was an orange outfit with some black stripes all over it. I thought it was awesome. I'd wear that for sure. Because style is just having the confidence to wear things that are weird. And Anthony Davis had some style in street clothes, as Charles Barkley likes to call him because his nickname is Street Clothes, out four to six weeks again with a sprained MCL and sprained ankle. So yeah, street clothes dressed like a brick during the Christmas game. It looked awesome, at least I thought, but the internet was making fun of it. So it's a meme of the weekend. Now it's an NFL week 16, and we've got our Philip Rivers Purgatory Award this week, a very special Philip Rivers Purgatory Award to hand out. Uh, We're also going to talk about the snow game in Seattle, because snow games are fun, and it's a game that didn't matter at all. So we'll talk about that We have the forgettable game of the week and uh, more coming up here on the Memes of the Weekend podcast. But we begin with a perennial favorite here on the Memes of the Weekend podcast, and it is New York football. Both New York football teams have earned a spot here on the Memes of the Weekend podcast, but I especially want to talk about the New York Giants, and I know they got boat raced by the Philadelphia Eagles And I know that the New York Giants were officially eliminated from the playoffs, and I know it's not fun to kick them while they're down, but if New York Giants fans want to pretend like their team isn't totally dysfunctional and totally perpetually mediocre, now, when the new year turns over, a decade, a decade of irrelevance, we got news today that I think might be willing to welcome Giants fans into another decade of irrelevance even before Jake Fromm had negative four passing yards in the first quarter against the Philadelphia Eagles. They could have spiked the ball into the ground for an entire quarter. Would not have done as bad as Jake Fromm playing quarterback for the New York Giants to start the game where they lost by 31 to the Philadelphia Eagles and it was only 31 because they scored a garbage time touchdown with Mike Glennon. Which led to my favorite tweet of the entire afternoon, which is the Giants benched Jake Fromm for Mike Glennon after benching Mike Glennon for Jake Fromm last week. It's just an amazing sentence for how far Giants football has fallen, and it wasn't even the greatest part for the Giants this week. So before we get to that, and because they lost, or even though they lost, I would still like to play the New York Giants theme song. You could call it because the Jets won, but I just think they deserve our wonderful theme music that may or may not be copyrighted, but we still use anyways, because it's beautiful. It is a beautiful celebration of Giants' mediocrity, just like we celebrate Bears' mediocrity and Broncos' mediocrity. Panthers are getting close on that one, but the Panthers aren't quite there yet. By the way, the Panthers might be dysfunctional, but we'll get to that in a little bit. This is... This is about the New York football giants and we need to celebrate a decade of mediocrity of New York football. One playoff appearance between the two teams in 20 years, 10 each team, the Giants, the Jets. We need to celebrate Giants and Jets football with our wonderful, wonderful Frank Sinatra theme music. (laughs)
0: New York.
1: New York. Courtesy of Adam Schefter at 1:54 a.m. Pacific time, I woke up to this wonderful news this morning. Getting ready for NFL Sunday and producing the Red Rain podcast with Walter Mitchell, which you should absolutely check out. With the link in the description to today's episode, along with all the fantastic sponsors here on the Believe Podcast Network woke up to this wonderful Adam Schefter story. The New York Giants are planning to bring back head coach Joe Judge and quarterback Daniel Jones for the 2022 season. League sources tell ESPN the Giants believe both Judge and Jones deserve the opportunity to demonstrate their talents next season even though New York already has been eliminated from the playoffs and clinched a fifth consecutive season with double-digit losses. The Giants are still expected to have difficult conversations with multiple members of the organization in an attempt to diagnose all that has gone wrong in recent seasons. Judge will be a key part of those conversations. Many sources around the league believe the Giants' big change will involve general manager Dave Gettleman, who could decide to, quote, step down after four seasons with the team. But one wrinkle that could complicate New York's plans is that a new GM would want to hire a new head coach rather than retain Judge. Those conversations would occur later in the offseason and... I cannot emphasize this enough because this is the heart of New York Giants' decade of dysfunction. Giants' ownership would convey its preference to keep Joe Judge. Judge entered Sunday's game against Philadelphia with a 10-20 career record, but despite some issues with assistance, he has shown the Giants enough to make them want him to see him succeed. Daniel Jones, selected by New York with the 6th pick in the 2019 draft, has played behind a shaky offensive line and hasn't received all the support he needed, but the Giants still believe he can be effective. The Giants announced this past week that Jones will miss the remainder of the season because of a neck injury. Completed 64% of his passes for 2,400 yards, 10 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Dramatically on his turnovers with 10 in 11 starts after committing 39 in 26 starts over the first two seasons. The Giants have months to decide whether to pick up the fifth-year option on Jones's contract, and New York could also keep him beyond the 2022 season with a long-term extension or a franchise tag. Oh, that is just music to my ears. The goddamn dysfunctional New York Giants with fans who believe that they actually have a chance to be good at football are about to do some dumb ass shit. And what do the Giants do better than almost any franchise other than the Chicago Bears? Dumb ass shit. They might actually be above the Chicago Bears because we know the Mara family intervenes on personnel decisions. We know the Mara family intervenes on making decisions at the front office, firing people too quickly, hiring people too, or firing people too quickly, but then keeping bad people for a long time. We said back on NFL Monday 6, 10 weeks ago, I have the date here, Monday, October 18th, as our second segment after the Arizona Cardinals won a big game, the Giants need to fumigate their organization. Fumigate the organization. There was no reason the New York Giants should keep Joe Judge or Dave Gettleman or Daniel Jones past this season fumigate the organization it was a cataclysmic failure with Dave Gettleman as general manager as we've documented over the last four years on comical sports memes potentially rest in peace and three years here on take it easy the New York Giants have messed everything up. And we've done this before, so I'll just do the quick Spark Notes version real quick. Hired Dave Gettleman in 2018 because they decided to fire Ben McAdoo for being right about Eli Manning being washed. Ownership says, you cannot take a quarterback. You're going to keep Eli Manning. They select Saquon Barkley with the number two pick in the draft. Who do they pass on? Josh Allen ends up falling to pick number seven. Could have had Josh Allen then. Giants fans convinced the Mara family Eli will stay as long as Eli wants. They came back in 2018, hired Pat Shermer. Eli Manning very clearly washed as a quarterback and by the way, it was never really that great to begin with, so Eli Manning is now in the Ben Roethlisberger situation for the New York Giants. Didn't pick their quarterback in 2018, so now they go to 2019. They lost 12 games that year, and they had the number six pick, so you know, 11-12 games in Dave Gettleman's first year. They come back, draft Daniel Jones, Way before anyone thought they should draft Daniel Jones. Trade Odell Beckham in a trade that everyone loses. They got Jabril Peppers. They got Dexter Lawrence. Everyone loses the Odell Beckham trade. Cleveland loses. The Giants lose. Everyone loses the Odell Beckham trade. And they draft Daniel Jones. They trade back up into the first round, draft DeAndre Baker. DeAndre Baker has an incident with a a robbery situation at a barbecue and ends up getting cut by the Giants, signed to the practice squad of the Chiefs about a year after they traded back into the first round to pick him. 2020 draft, they get the number four pick in the draft, take Andrew Thomas over, not just Justin Herbert and not just... Uh, I forgot who the car. Oh, Isaiah Simmons, who should have been the number four pick in the draft and over Isaiah Simmons, over Justin Herbert. They passed on other left tackles such as Andrew. Th- uh, oh, oh, instead of Andrew Thomas, Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs, Mackay Becton, all better than Andrew Thomas. So all of them were drafted, by the way, within 10 picks of Andrew Thomas. So they were all top graded left tackles. They picked the worst of the left tackles. This year they traded down on the pick for Justin Fields and got Kadarius Tony at pick 20 which has not quite worked out the way they wanted it to. So that's the SparkNotes version of Giants being shit. Giants, we said October 18th, it's dead. It's over. Gettleman, Judge, Jones, over. And the Giants are going to run it back again before they even hire the GM. Whoever they hire as general manager doesn't actually have decision-making power with the New York Giants. Because the Maras have already decided Judge and Daniel Jones are going to be the coach and the quarterback. So maybe they pivot in a year, but that's a long time from now. Like, think of how much progress you could get if you're inevitably going to fire Judge and Jones next season when the Maras give the new GM the power to do so. Well, now you've wasted two full off seasons because now you're officially trying to tank you're hiring a new coach, you're hiring a, you're getting a new quarterback like you've wasted two full off seasons and potentially two seasons because I said on October 18th you could have fired Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman like you're wasting this season by keeping them around. you're wasting, This offseason, because Judge and Jones are going to be still on the team, you're wasting next season because we know that's not going to work. Joe Judge has done nothing remarkable that suggests Joe Judge deserves even a third year with the New York Giants. And if he gets a third year, he's a lame duck coach anyways. Maybe Joe Judge will work somewhere else. It's not going to work in New York because Joe Judge can't overcome having shit players because Dave Gettleman has made every pick wrong for four years. So Joe Judge is going to get fired because the Giants are going to be worse next year than they were this year. And then Daniel Jones is going to come back. But we know Daniel Jones isn't actually good. Daniel Jones is a fine quarterback. He had less turnovers this year, but we know they're not good. We know the New York Giants aren't good, and yet the New York Giants are going to waste this year, the next offseason. You could have argued they wasted last offseason by drafting Tony and giving up the pick for Justin Fields. They could have drafted Justin Fields and just started this process all over again. You could be where the Bears are, but have a first-round pick available this year. The Giants are going to have two first-round picks this offseason. Both in the top 10 as things currently stand. They're going to have two top 10 picks. They're going to get a new general manager. This is how you fumigate the organization. Let the general manager do the job they've been brought in. And this is the heart of dysfunctional franchises is what makes the Mara family more qualified to make personnel decisions about their franchise than the guy you are hiring to make personnel decisions for your franchise. The Maras are going up against some of the smartest minds, not just in football, but in the business world as a whole. Lots of people are moving into the NFL to work as general managers. You have a really, really smart group of general managers and a really, really smart group of coaches, and the New York Giants are falling behind just like the Jaguars are falling behind, just like the Jets are falling behind, the Broncos, maybe the Carolina Panthers, the Lions, the Chicago Bears, because ownership Thinks they can make decisions better than other people can make decisions. The Cowboys have at least had a general manager for 30 years who at least invests in the process of picking players. In Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, hasn't produced a championship in 30 in 25 years. Hasn't produced a conference championship in 25 years. They're one of three or sorry one of four NFC franchises that hasn't won a conference championship in 15 years, really 20 years. If you want to go all the way back 20, 25 years. Yeah. 25 years. One of only four teams in the NFC that hasn't won a conference championship, the lions, Washington, the Vikings and them. And, That's the best possible example of meddling ownership is Jerry Jones appointing himself general manager. They don't even pretend like he's like, yeah, no, I make the personnel decisions. The Maras come and go when they want. They decided Ben McAdoo was going to be the fall guy because they wanted to protect Eli Manning, which was probably a mistake. I think it would have failed either way. Then they moved on from Eli Manning and said, you're taking a quarterback now. Dave Gettleman took Daniel Jones. Definitely a mistake didn't pivot off said mistake because they fired Pat Shermer, which is probably fair hired Joe Judge spent 2 years kind of meddling in a circle and then decide we're not going to correct the we're not going to re-recorrect the mistake we're going to move on from Dave Gettleman cuz we can't defend keeping him it's been one of the worst 4-year runs for a general manager in NFL history but we're still going to protect Judge and we're still going to protect Daniel Jones even from the person whose job it is when they're hired is to decide whether or not Joe Judge or Daniel Jones deserves to stay or deserves to go. Because that's the entire freaking point of the job that you're hiring the general manager for. And it's, it's so transparently awful and we know it's going to fail because the Giants just did this. They just did this four years ago when they fired Ben McAdoo and they fired the general manager, but protected Eli Manning. We know Joe Judge might be a successful coach somewhere else. We know it's not going to happen in New York. They just don't have the personnel. And you can fire Joe Judge and get a better coach than Joe Judge right now. Like, it can work out. You just have to bottom out, commit to it, let the general manager make the decisions, and then you can have players that work out. The Giants have spent so long being crap, and they've never, ever had a sense of direction, and they still don't have a sense of direction. And instead of being like, what the hell are you doing, like watching the train crash? I guess that's a little too strong of an example. When you're watching someone light money on fire Sometimes it's funny to just let them do it. Like if someone's going to slip on the banana peel, let's laugh at them slipping on the banana peel cuz the franchise take uh, the franchise takes themselves seriously. The fans take themselves seriously. And the Giants are an absolute dumpster fire, and I'd like to welcome them officially to another five years of failure. I don't think the Giants are going to make the playoffs in five years, and I can say that just from the evaluation of the team right now. The fact that they're going to keep Gettleman, the fact that or that they're going to fire Gettleman, protect Judge, protect Daniel Jones, presumably give them more power when we know Daniel Jones is not a franchise quarterback, and we know Joe Judge probably not going to work out. It might work out, You're going to give him four more years to figure it out because it feels like you're going to cut bait with him as soon as you have another bad season next year. And I would have fired Joe Judge after week six. And uh, think about that. I would have fired Joe Judge after 22 games and the Mara family is prepared to give him what is that? 10 weeks plus two more. They're going to give him 28 games. After I said they should fire, after it it was clear, and I don't do this very, like, I don't just fire coaches out of nowhere. Like, it's clearly a failure. The Daniel Jones experiment, clearly a failure. Saquon Barkley draft pick, clearly a failure. Dave Gettleman era, painfully, obviously a, a failure. Just fumigate everything from that and let someone else build it from scratch. And then just get out of the way and say, we've hired you to do a job. Now we're going to give you all the resources to do that job. Go do it. Instead, they're going to set up this general manager with handcuffs that other franchises don't have, which is you're going to draft a quarterback this year. You're going to trade for a quarterback this year. You're going to trade for this position this year. And it's just not a good way to run a franchise. And it's better to just laugh at them, do it, than actually try and take them seriously. So I said this 10 weeks ago, I said it 4 weeks ago, and let me officially be the first to welcome New York Giants fans, as of 5 days from now when the calendar turns to 2022, a full decade since your Super Bowl title, let me be the first to welcome you to another decade of irrelevance. (laughs) The Jets won though. The Jets had a beautiful sequence at the end of the game. By the way, like the I think the memes of the weekend best moment would have to be like Zach Wilson taking that 60-yard run and the Jaguars just playing awful defense. Um but my favorite moment was at the end of the game where Trevor Lawrence had like a mini Kirk Cousins purgatory with no timeouts, 40 seconds to go but they already had the ball down the field, so it's not technically Kirk Cousins purgatory, but they're down 5 at the end of the game, James Robinson tore his Achilles, which made me so upset, not just because I had him on my fantasy team, and not because I had him on my fantasy team, but because you know, he's going into free agency after next season, and he's a restricted free agent, and he got bummed by, er- by Urban Meyer putting him on the bench and drafting Travis Etienne, and he deserves better, and a chance to cash out, and the fact that he got the torn Achilles when the season was just so meaningless at this point was so unfortunate for James Robinson. And at the end of the game, the Jaguars get the ball down to the one yard line and then spike the ball on third and goal with 13 seconds, which is like, okay, we want to set up one play for the win. But if there's 13 seconds left, well, there's no need to worry about spiking the ball. You should run another play and you can run the clock down to eight or nine seconds because that one play is not going to take longer than 5 to 6 seconds. So there's no reason to spike the ball with 13 seconds one, but no reason to spike the ball at all. And so with 13 seconds, the Jaguars spike the football, so now it's fourth down, 13 seconds, and you only have one play left. You should have just waited 6 seconds and dialed up a no-huddle play. Because you still would have had two seconds on the clock for fourth down. But, anyways, you get one less play. It's fourth down. Jaguars maybe couldn't have gotten a play off in seven seconds because that offense is terrible. And again, fire Daryl Bevel. Like they've been saying it for 10 weeks. He's going to get fired because Urban Meyer's been fired now. Just god awful football all over the place. And the last play of the game, Trevor Lawrence throws it too low for the receiver in the flat, one yard away, just one yard away from beating the Jets. Both teams played crappy, and he throws it at the feet. It's a holding call on the offense anyways, and it's just a just a sad way for to go for the Jaguars. Just kind of sad how that's all finished for Jacksonville and the Jets. It's a meaningless game, but it had some funny at the end. So, yeah, Jaguars and Jets recap. Memes of the weekend. Gotta love it. <laughs> New sponsor alert here on the Take It Easy podcast. It is Lightbox Jewelry. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, Lightbox Jewelry has cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds that you can find at a light price of just $800 per carat. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they won't have to. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox Diamonds. Never a dull moment. All right, let's talk about the Bears and the Seahawks. I mentioned this on the NFL Monday podcast. It'd be hard to find a more meaningless game all season. And the reason I say this is not just because both of these teams are eliminated from playoff contention and because... We have made a true embargo that we will not talk about the Chicago Bears seriously for the next 10 months. Now I think it's about 9 months, but 10 months. It was also the fact that both of these teams don't have their first-round picks in this year's draft. The Bears gave up two first-round picks to get Justin Fields. The Seahawks gave up two first-round picks to get Jamal Adams. So neither of these teams were even playing for draft order contention they had no reason to play this game combined with the fact that it was a snowstorm and we only get these games every couple of years now with indoor stadiums you get a lot fewer of these types of games anymore with the snow and it's cold and you have to put the fake uh, lines on the field or the, the imposed lines on the broadcast so you know where everything is but it was a fun game between the Seahawks and the Bears, and we're not going to talk about the serious analysis of the game, other than I was really disappointed with the Seahawks' one-minute drill at the end, because when the Bears scored the go-ahead touchdown, and by the way, we had the Bears, plus seven, beat the Seahawks, 4-0 week, with the Saints coming up on Monday, 13-1 in the last two weeks, or three weeks, 13-1 picks here, Kyle Ledbetter, 13-1, excellent. We have the Uh, We have the score at the end, and I said while I was watching the broadcast, Seahawks are going to go win this game. Left Russell Wilson too much time. One minute, two timeouts, only needs to go 70 yards, but really only needs to go 40 yards because a field goal wins the game. Yeah, I think the Seahawks are going to win. And Seahawks played like crap at the end. But I thought this was going to be one of those games that was way under, and then I forgot to account for the fact, and this is, again, a, a big thing you should do in your analysis is, Recognizing that the opposing defenses are crap and the Seahawks can't stop the run for shit and the Bears can't stop the run for shit. And so both teams are just going to run the ball all game and it's going to be a fast game and both teams are still going to score in the 20s even though it's freezing cold. And the Bears win because they go for two at the end, just like, you know, Harbaugh did. Matt Nagy don't give a bleep anymore. Matt Nagy has not given a bleep in like 10 weeks. He has not cared at all at this point. He's getting fired no matter what. Matt Nagy just does not care anymore. He was going for fourth down and five at the goal line in a 7-0 game. Like He just does not care anymore. By the way, on that fourth and five at the goal line, threw a three-yard check down to David Montgomery short of the goal line. So, okay. Yeah, Matt Nagy, win, lose, you're going down three yards at a time. Matt Nagy has said, I am going down four yards at a time. Going for it on fourth downs, because I don't care. You got a cool moment where you beat the Seahawks. You don't even get to keep the draft pick for it, so you can celebrate Nick Foles beating the Seahawks, even though Nick Foles kind of played like crap. And then on the broadcast, I think it was uh, Kevin Burkhart who was calling that game, and he said, Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles starts for the Bears. They were like 4-10 and going into the game. I'm like, it will never stop sounding weird never stop sounding weird that it's Super Bowl champion Nick Foles, never going to stop sounding weird. But it was a fun game. I like the snow games. I like when you have a couple of those weird games where it looks all white on the field and you have to superimpose the lines and everyone starts sliding all over the field and you make snow angels and Seahawks fans throw snowballs at guys in the air, snowballs at Jimmy Graham in the end zone when he scores game winning touchdowns that I just assumed would not score because I just assume the Bears will not score. It's a pretty safe bet over the past five years to assume the Bears will not score. But it's fun to have weird things that you don't normally see at football games because sometimes these games can be monotonous. And especially this game that, like we said off the top, possibly was the most meaningless football game we've seen in years because rare have we had two teams eliminated that also don't have draft compensation in order. So totally meaningless, but fun Because we had snow and we had close finishes and we had Russell Wilson not playing like Russell Wilson because of snow, because of injury, because of age, because of the Seahawks roster. All questions that I don't want to answer and we'll have months to talk about with people who probably care about it more than I do.
0: The Rams are rapping when game time comes hit it by design. We can't sing and our dance is not pretty. But we'll do our best for the team and the city. So get on your feet and clap your hands. Let's ram it right now with the LA Ram. Hollywood handsome, Dodge City tough. If you draw it my way, it's gonna get rough. I like to ram it, as you can see. Nobody likes ramming any more than me. They call me Dita, nobody dresses sweeter. But under this cool is a quarterback with I come from the end, looking for the sack. I don't stop coming till I put put 'em on the back. I'm a mountain man from West VA. They call me Herc, and I came to play. I learned long ago to ram it just right get. Ram it all day and ram
1: it If the Rams make a playoff run, then we're going to need to make a remix of this song with the current Los Angeles Rams. Uh, I don't know how to make it funnier than that, but we'll try our best to do a ram it just ram it. If you ram it just right, you can ram it all day and ram it all night remix. The reason we're playing this song is because the Rams did win, but it's also the lead-in to our Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award this week, and that award goes to none other than Kirk Cousins. Why does the award go to Kirk Cousins? Because as I'm watching this game, there's a a live in-game bet with a certain someone that I am watching the game with who is worried because he has the vikings at plus 12 and a half with a live in-game bet and if the rams score a touchdown at this point it's a seven point game there's two minutes left in the game two 230 to go and it is 27 20 and the whole time when he's worried about how this is going to go for a live in-game bet on the vikings i've said the whole time law of kirk cousins law of kirk cousins it will always be down eight No timeouts, length of the field at the end of the game. And what happened this time was that the Rams' offense is, and this is maybe a a revelation for some people, great. And the Rams were able to get the ball in scoring position, up seven on the Minnesota Vikings, avoiding Kirk Cousins' purgatory, which usually happens against the Detroit Lions, or happens against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or happens against the Cincinnati Bengals or the Carolina Panthers just happens to be where Kirk Cousins lives is Kirk Cousins purgatory he somehow gets down four points against Cooper Rush and has to go with no timeouts length of the field in one minute but this time the Rams kicked a field goal to go up 30 to 20 And so he's like, okay, this is going to be fine. And he's like, what if they throw a pick six? Because that's what you do when you're a chronic gambler. You start asking, what are the scenarios where I can start to lose? The thing I said is, here's what's going to happen. Law of Kirk Cousins says the Vikings are going to go down the field right now. They have a minute and 30 to go, no timeouts, down 10. What's going to happen is they're going to work the ball across midfield. They're going to kick a field goal instead of scoring a touchdown because of the weird thing where they get to have more time, recover the onside kick, and try and score the touchdown, but you save the time by kicking the field goal before, even though it's not fourth down, it's usually on first down, you kick the field goal first, recover the onside kick, go score the touchdown afterwards. So they're going to move down the field, they're going to kick the field goal, they're going to get it to seven, they're going to recover the onside kick, and Kirk Cousins is going to go into Kirk Cousins' purgatory. And lo and behold, Vikings get the ball at the 25-yard line, Kirk Cousins goes down the field in 50 seconds, and what do they do? As soon as they get into field goal range, send out the field goal team, kick the field goal. Thirty to twenty-three. If you had Rams minus nine and a half, I feel really bad for you. Kick the field goal. Go onside. They don't recover the onside kick. Unfortunately, it wouldn't have been a true Kirk Cousins purgatory. But the fact that I said Kirk Cousins in a minute and a half is going to go down the field, get them in field goal range. They'll kick the field goal. Why? Because that's where Kirk Cousins lives. Is down eight, one minute, no timeouts, length of the field. So for the unceremonious ninth time this season. I mean, the award originally began as the Philip Rivers purgatory award, but. Now it's kind of been co-opted in favor of our buddy Kirk Cousins. Congratulations, Kirk. You again win the Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award for week number 16, winning your own award for a record ninth time in 16 games here in 2021. First time since week 12, though, that you have captured the award. Congratulations, Kirk Cousins. And as we said on the NFL Monday podcast, thank God we don't have to talk about you anymore. Get TF out of
0: here. And
1: And finally, on the Memes of the Weekend podcast to conclude, well, really like four hours of podcast I've been doing here. On Take It Easy and the Slump Buster. Check out our college football preview episode, by the way. It's probably going to drop sometime on Tuesday if you're interested. Link to that is in the description to this episode. We conclude with the forgettable game of the week. It's a segment we brought back with the lack of college football production. We could do college football bowl game talk one of these days for memes of the weekend, but we conclude with the forgettable game of the week, which is, of course, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers. But with an honorable mention in the non-NFL category of Dallas Mavericks versus Utah Jazz on Christmas. I know Luka didn't play. Have no idea what the score is. Couldn't tell you at all what the score of that game was. Is it Utah by 20? Did Dallas win? I No idea. I watched the Brooklyn Lakers game. I watched the end of Warriors Suns. I watched the beginning of Knicks and Hawks on Christmas can't tell you what happened in the Mavericks jazz game no idea also watched a good portion of the Bucks when Giannis put up 20 points in the third quarter against the Boston Celtics I think they lost that game anyways but flex on him Giannis you are a stud 20 points in the third quarter dunked over two guys, drew an and one on a ridiculous Euro step where I'm like, there's no way he didn't travel on that. But he did. He did do a Euro step from the free throw line to under the basket and just dropping a nice little layup in through contact because Giannis is ridiculous. Anyways, Tampa Bay and Carolina, Is Carolina eliminated from the playoffs. Yes, but it gives me a chance to bring up this amazing stat that the Carolina Panthers in games from 2019 2020 and 2021, post October 11th, which is roughly week six, the Carolina Panthers are 3-28 and over the last three seasons in games after October 11th. That is pretty freaking bad, if I do say so myself. Carolina Panthers get good starts and then just play like shit. Because the Carolina Panthers might be dysfunctional, as we're learning. With David Tepper's only been in power for three years, Panthers might be dysfunctional. Not just perpetually mediocre, not just having one playoff appearance since their Super Bowl 50 appearance six years ago, because, yeah, that Cam Newton season was six years ago. One playoff appearance since then, basically being the Broncos of the NFC. Again on their way to another 5 and 12 or 6 and 11 season they were 5 and 11 in 2019 where they started off I think 4 and 2 and then lost 9 of 10 to finish the season last year started off was it 3 and 1 I think and then ended up losing the 10 of their last 12 to finish the season and then this year started off 3 and 0 and ever since then they've been 2 and 9 yeah, rough rough time to be a Panther fan, but Carolina might be, mediocre, might be perpetually mediocre with Teppers being one of these owners that's way too controlling if you read some of the tea leaves on how that Joe Brady situation finished and how Matt Rule kind of stands with the organization and how they've changed quarterbacks so much in the last three years since Tepper's been there. It's been interesting to watch as Carolina... Kind of finds their footing. But yeah, they got smoked by Tampa. And Tampa won the NFC South. Big whoop. Game went exactly how you thought it would. For a team that's won the Super Bowl last year. And is probably going to make the conference championship this year. Against a team that's 3-28 and in games post-October 11th. In the past three seasons. It's exactly how you thought the game would go. Exactly. Turns out it was actually a pretty good game. The Jazz won by four against the Dallas Mavericks, came close to, at the end of the game. Good to know. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in to the Memes of the Weekend podcast. It was a longer Memes of the Weekend podcast because I had 20 minutes on the New York Giants. But we appreciate you stopping in thank you so much for all of your support. Leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. They are really helpful in this time of us trying to figure out how we're going to fund our dreams. Uh, We may have lost comical sports for good again, so any and all support is much, much appreciated. Thank you so much for stopping in, and as always, take it easy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.